1: Brought to you by State
2: Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: Y'all ready? Welcome, this is Michael Carl, this world. Started on Venice Beach, now he reaching the world. He'll make you laugh till your stomach hurts. Super fly, nice guy. And pray if you need the word. he dressed to the nine. Come on, get ready for the star search winner. And OG, three times, this ain't no beginner. Whether you in your house, you on your burger, out to dinner, on your job, in your car, turn it up, and it's a Michael Carl, Michael talks to everybody. Michael, Michael talks to everybody. My- Michael, Michael talks to everybody. My- Michael Michael talks to everybody. My- you know what it is, shouting woo
3: Hey, family. It's your boy, Michael Coyier. You know where you at. Michael talks to everybody. We've had some fascinating and interesting people on here, fun, loving people, joyful people. But today, oh, we we got to talk about something that's been, man, I'm just mad. I'm, just, I'm pissed off, y'all, uh, about this mess in uh, Memphis. And I happened to be there those, this weekend, the weekend that it happened. Um, the weekend that actually they played back the tape. So if anybody out there don't know what I'm talking about, uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, five police officers swarmed and beat a young black man. And what I, From what I saw, an unarmed, un, un, unable to defend himself black man beat him literally to death. He didn't die till three days later, but but beat him to death. And not just beat him, but kicked him and stomped him and ridiculed him even when he was all done, they haven't leaned up against the car, his weight kept falling over, they just set him back up while he smoked cigarettes and casually laughed about it and what had happened. Um and it's a mess and, and it breaks my heart because they were black men. We get enough of this from the black po- from police who stop us. You know I mean real police, not these fake head, not these niggas. Um, but when real police come and we have to go through this mess, we're already hot. But when you see a guy that looks like he's supposed to be your brother, and what really messed me up is the whole time they're trying to twist his arm, they kick kicking him, they punch punching him. They keep saying, give me your hand, bro. Give me your hand, bro. And they never remembered for a moment that that really was their brother. So anyway, it's got us all up in arms. I know it's happened a little while ago, a few weeks ago, or maybe even a, it was like three or four weeks ago that it actually happened, but it came out. Called it a pole, the light on a pole. We're going to talk about all that, but I want to bring in some experts to talk about it with me. Today, uh, the first gentleman I want to bring on is Judge Joe Brown. Judge Joe Brown, he he was an attorney, also a criminal prosecutor. He was the first prosecutor in Memphis, Tennessee. First black one, first African-American
4: prosecutor. Well, in Memphis, yeah, first black prosecutor. I also ran the public defender's office. I was an attorney. I trained the capital defense team. I did a lot of appellate and trial work. I think I tried forty-two first-degree murder cases as a defense lawyer, and God knows Mm -hmm. how many I presided over as a criminal court judge. Got elected to two eight-year terms, and then I did that fifteen-year show. So I'm one of the senior folk in the crowd. Now, there it is. I also have an interesting distinction. I got the Arkansas Supreme Court to unanimously set aside a conviction of what at the time was the youngest person in the world on death row. And I got a stay of execution 23 minutes before they were going to execute him. He was 15 years, two weeks old at the time, supposedly for killing a 13 year old white classmate. Right. And two senior white women who were relatives of the sheriff in the area. So it got mm. But We handled it. One of the issues was an
3: all-white jury. So, yeah. That's an issue. I've done this um, quite a lot. so Yeah, you've done this, and you're a resident of Memphis. What do you call yourself? Memf- Memphis, Memphisians? Mem- Memphisians. We down by the
4: holy waters mm-hmm. of the Mississippi and Memphis. Where the bridges cross on
3: over into the, <laughs> <other land. laughs> the Miffians. Well, you saw this horrible tragedy. You saw this thing happen. I don't know how anybody could describe it as anything else.
4: I grew up in what became South Central Los Angeles, so mm. first eyeball, and I've seen worse. Mm-hmm. And unlike in the movies, killing somebody tends to be kind of messed and is nasty. But you know, one message out of this whole thing. What is? I saw the taser, I saw the nightstick, uh, but these are supposed to be non-lethal weapons. The point is, Mm -hmm. everybody gets to focusing on this weapon, that weapon, this gun, that gun, and it's all about character because essentially they use their bare hands and they didn't use lethal armaments to kill somebody. So I've taken martial arts for 50-some years. I can kill most humans very quickly more efficiently without using a weapon. And every time I get in a room, like when well, you were doing the comedy, there were weapons all over the place that were just on the table. I said, always do that. Wow. What can I kill somebody with if I'm in this room? But you don't have to worry about me killing you because it's a matter of character. That's not what I'm about. And what you're looking at here, in my estimation, is a breakdown of character for a number of reasons, and I thought it was unmanly if what I'm hearing that's not within the official version is, in fact, right. But that's speculation, and I have to be cautious about what I say. Why? Because in a few months, I may be the mayor of this city, and it's all going to land right in my lap. And you have to be fair and impartial
1: when mm. you fall now
4: deal with that's true people that you are representing and that's all of the people because if you jump clean from square one to square 25 and draw these conclusions you may miss out on something that's very important to the people that you're supposed to be protecting
3: well would it be fair if we just say they were
4: goofy well let's put it this way it was crazy and see Memphis did not get out of hand, and I want to start with something else that I saw that was bad. Hey, a, why is the mayor of the city, why is the chief of police, why are some other people who want to be leaders in the city acting like they're trying to incite a riot? See, I graduated from UCLA class of 69. And what I saw was associated with a certain kind of militancy when somebody was trying to deliberately incite somebody to rise up and burn down the town like I was already out of high
3: school. I I saw aspects of that, too. But what I want to focus in on is what these men did to this man. Okay. You know, not to surround the folks who are also playing yeah, their well, game because everybody got their own little stuff they playing. They gonna get their political aspect yeah, in. but all this let, stuff. let's go to. I just want to talk about the humanity for a moment. Let's go to what's happening here. Okay,
4: I've done this for fifty some years, and this. The fastest indictment I have ever seen in this town. It wasn't even two mm-hmm. from day one to the indictment. The other thing is, is from what I'm looking at, did the prosecution blow it by indicting up front on second degree when there are aspects of first degree? Did you notice if you have any common human experience? You know, usually mm. there is an escalation, you how fast from zero to sixty. You don't just come out at 60 miles an hour snatching somebody like that. Like, what was behind it? Were they angry with him? See, in my experience, I've run into a situation where the police, somebody on the street, they did like this. And this isn't the first time this has happened in Memphis over the last 50 years. The police and the guy that got jacked, they were doing drug deals, okay, money deals. Maybe somebody's old lady was involved in the whole thing.
3: but you Well, mean- that's what this is sort of like. We're sort of feeling that, you know, people have rumored it. I don't know it to be true, but that this gentleman worked at the same place as one of the Dead officer's egg. wife yeah. and ex-woman and that he allegedly, and I got to say allegedly because this is, I don't want to get I heart in trouble, but he allegedly sent a photo of the beat up person to the ex-wife. Yes,
4: there's that. That's out in the streets. But you see, it wasn't just, In other words, one of the cops and the deceased seem to have worked at FedEx together. So it's not that they were unacquainted. They already knew each other.
3: No, it was supposed to be one of the cops, the the cop's ex-wife and and baby's mama. See, all of them.
4: That's what the street rumor is, and the Memphis streets where hey, we ain't going out there burning anything down behind somebody.
3: Okay, well, let's take you out of the, all of your official status, and just the status as an official black man who actually watched the same video that we all saw. What did that take you? What did that make you think? What did that make you feel?
4: Uh, what I'm looking at in my mind's eye is This looked like what you see on social media where you get some unruly girl rillas with a bunch Mm -hmm. of them fighting over who dealt with Mm -hmm. whose boyfriend or man or baby daddy. And we just had one, interestingly, almost like it, but a slight flip. Down in Little Rock, Arkansas, the chief of police is on paid leave for shooting somebody. He got caught up in a mess where somebody's baby mama ran into somebody out, broke Mm. a bottle over a windshield, chick jumps out, starts popping caps at the crowd. He drives up, shoots at her, misses her, seriously wounds somebody else. So there's a whole lot of this foolishness going on. And the thing of it is, is men aren't supposed to do that kind of thing. You want to punch it out with somebody, all right. But you don't sit up there and kill somebody for this kind of reason, if that's
3: what's going on. If that's what's going on. I don't I don't know if that's what's going on. What I do know. But then if it isn't,
4: then here's the other Mm -hmm. thing. Who is responsible for what happened? See, the Scorpion unit. Guess what? It wasn't a cop idea. The citizens said we want a unit like this. This is three years old. The people said we've got such high Mm -hmm. crime. Nobody's doing anything. We want to be protected. Now, this unit I think they made 2,500 felony arrests in three years. They got 850-plus stolen guns off the things mm. that were used in crime. Then something happened about a year ago. The commander of the unit had to retire because I guess he didn't want to deal with it anymore. The command authority started evaporating. The morale is down zero. You've got quite a few hundred paid-for cop positions that are unfilled. You have no supervision out there. You've got 23 to 32 out there with the cops. And nobody with any seniority and experience is looking like, hey, what do you think you're doing?
3: And we saw Right. We we know we know there was no cops. There was no sergeants. There should have been sergeants on the on the scene.
4: Yeah. And see, here's the other thing. Who's responsible? Now, this is the thing that we deal with here. But wait, who's responsible for we, what, no, for lack of supervision. Now, here's something interesting. Oh, but wait. but no, just, no, no. Just, here's no. You got thing. me everywhere, but what I want to talk to you do, about. I want to talk to you about the beating and what we saw, but we're but talking see, about
3: everything around
4: it, but in not In other words, it. you have to look behind... The curtain because somebody may be doing a puppet thing back there, and you're supposed to look at the show and not what's going on behind the curtain. Now,
3: yeah, I, I don't think this is a, norm. a or two. I'll try. And okay. Come on.
4: All across the country, the people want the police to be responsible to the community,
3: right? Right.
4: For 41 years, Memphis has had an appointed director who is subject to being removed by the mayor at a whim or hired at a whim. Why, for the first time in 41 years, did Memphis hire a civil service chief who can't be removed so the people have no input into what happens? Who is responsible for that and why did they bring somebody in who was under criminal investigation in another city? went to a second city, was under criminal investigation, and then gets hired in Memphis when there were lots of foreign people, even if you wanted to take the control of the police department out of the police hands and put it in some civil service, somebody that you can't remove no matter what they do, no matter what policy they have. See, some people needed to answer
3: I just don't think that's the reason these five men it beat this man almost to death. So, it. so that, but that's what today today's topic, though, Judge, is we want to talk about that. We want to talk about what are the people's feeling about that. What brought that type of thing on? And how do we deal with that? How do we, how do we be able to? But work see, with that's that? what they want you to think. But I don't care no, about that. No, no, what they want they. me to think?
4: Let's put it this way: there are billions of dollars at stake on the outcome of an election. It's coming up this year. Billions under the table, crooked. There's a lot of that going on. So the I, fundamental sure point is, is there are people allegedly involved with this behind the scenes that explain what's going on here is, see, unlike these folk, I'm not even the chief. I'm not even the mayor. But some of these cops are calling me right now. Some of these people that I've talked to over the months that were upset about what was going on, that predicted something like this was going to happen. Nobody's listened to them. So you've got experienced cops out there who've been saying, Judge, this is a disaster waiting to be happened." Nobody's in charge anymore. What's going on here? Somebody needs to rein this in before this
3: street mess becomes street mess in blue. And it was inexcusable. No doubt about it. Okay. I got to take a break, though, because we got to sell some soap and stuff. Uh, We'll be back in a few. Hey, y'all, it's Michael Talks to everybody. The topic today, though, y'all, is the mess in Memphis. What we're talking about today is these five men who who beat another young black man to death, essentially. What are your feelings on that? What's your thoughts on that? How do we protect ourselves from that in the future? These are the things we're trying to get at today on Michael Talks to everybody. We'll be right back.
0: Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks...
3: And we're back. You know, we was just talking with Judge Joe Brown. It's your boy, Michael kai Mike talked to everybody. And the topics today, that mess in Memphis, man, that horrific um, beating and killing the murder that we all witness uh worldwide, how do we feel about that? Is, is there something we could do about that? And I'm trying to hear the response of people who are in law enforcement. One of my friends here is Joe Jones, uh truthforlife.com. Joe Jones has been a cop with LA uh uh with the uh, wait a minute, wait. Joe Jones been a cop with LAPD for nine and a half years? Yeah. Nine and a half years. Now, how long you've been retired? I've been retired for about
2: uh, 20-something years now. So what are you, what are you doing now? Uh, I do uh, uh, event planning. uh I do a little bit of real estate-related stuff. I thought you had written a book on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually did write a book. And, What's course, that? Here it is. Tragic What's Life co- of a Black L.A. Cop. I had to write a book. I had so much going on in regards to the things that I, had, mm. uh, that I experienced that ultimately gave me PTSD when I was a police officer. But I had to write about it to extract that from my heart, the, the, the energy that I had inside me from being a police officer. I had to, to write about it. So would you see these type of beatings? Um, you know what? I mean, I, I could probably say I'm, I'm probably guilty of seeing something happen that wasn't good and putting my face <laughs> in the middle of it and stopping it. And that's probably part of the reason why. You know, I have mm. I have the experiences that I had as a police officer because I wasn't about that bull. You know what I mean? I wasn't going for the negative. I wasn't going to treat people unfair. I wasn't going to do people wrong and I wasn't going to let nobody do no wrong uh, w- when they were around me. But is there a
3: beating procedure? I mean, it just seems like if you run from the police, when they catch you, they try to make an example of you because you ran. And I, and I still maintain that running is not, uh, evidence of guilt. Running is just evidence of fear. And so, but if you run, you know, this double meat eating ass cop who's got on like 37 pounds of equipment has to chase you. I think they're gonna make an example of you when they catch you. They're gonna show you, you better not run from us in the future. So I've always said, whatever you do, try not to run. I used to say that until I saw this situation. But the guy wasn't even trying to run. He was just trying to keep from getting killed because no matter what he did, they were still trying to spray him and taser him. And I think that these buffoons. Cops is one. I don't believe I don't even call them cops. I think they're four, I think the five buffoons who got on the force. But if you looked at them, they, it looked like the Keystone cops. They run up run all over the place, run into each other. They sprayed more spray in their faces than they did his. And the one walked around like a little girl. Just put some more water in my left eye. Okay, my, oh shoot, now my right eye. I mean, it was a coin. Did you see my glasses? Where they put my glasses? Meanwhile, they got their partners running to chase down a guy who they chasing thinking it's a big felon, but it's not a big felon. It's some guy that he's mad because he think he screwed around with his woman. I don't even know the particulars, but does anything justify what we saw?
2: Well, I, I, I tell you, on the, on the, you know, being a person who has been in foot pursuits and chased people and, you know, you have a situation where you may be chasing someone and you may initially be by yourself. Once you if a person is running, it's obvious that they're running for a reason. Right. You don't know if they got a gun on them. You don't know if they got a knife on them. You don't know what they got on them. So when you first catch somebody, let's say, uh, and you don't know what they have on them, and they got their hands free to do whatever it is that they do, at some point you have to extract, you know, ext- extract uh some sense of self-defense to make mm-hmm. sure that this person is in mm-hmm. custody, that this person, his hands are cuffed. That this person can't do any damage or do anything to hurt you. And at that point, you know, once that person is 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 handcuffed and, and 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 made to be safe, there is no beating, there is no hitting, there is nothing physical that happens at that point. At that point, you just you know let the circumstances do what they're supposed to do. Now, let's face it, many people they fight, they're not, mm-hmm. they don't want to go to jail, they probably got two felonies. They don't want that third felony, so they're going to fight no matter who it is, no matter how many it is. Mm -hmm. They're going to fight. And when people are fighting and they're in that situation, you think sometimes it's maybe one person but they can get pretty strong and wiry when they don't want to go to jail.
3: You know what I mean? Well, you know, he kept trying to put on him that he was high. Oh, yeah. yeah, he high. Yeah, he high as a kite because I know the cops in the past have beat people up and said, well, they was high. You don't know how strong he is when you do that meth, or how strong he is. I, but none of the things that you listed is this scenario. Yeah.
2: First of all, nothing, they didn't approach. Justify, it. Let's, let's get this clear. Yeah, There's nothing to justify that shit. You got four or five dudes there at the same time. All you got to do is get one to hold a leg or arm and, and cup and pull that dude and cuff that dude. That's it. That's that.
3: But from the very beginning though, they never even approached him and asked for ID and stuff. They just told adult man and said, come out the car. We're dragging you out. They never told him anything what to do. So, that would elim- em- immediately put fear in a person, especially since they're coming as
2: plays as plain clothes. Absolutely. I, you know, you know, what the, 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 you know my, my unfortunate life has been that I have experienced being a black man on all phases. I've been mm-hmm. a, a, a been a youth getting su- sweated by the police. Mm-hmm. I've been a grown man getting sweated by the police. I've been a police officer getting sweated by the police. I've been a retired police officer getting sweated by the police. So I understand and have felt all measures of wrath by the police. So I get all of them. And at all of them, any person, all they want to do is survive. They want to yeah. get through that situation without getting beat down or killed uh, it, it, for, in some instances obviously
3: well i'm i'm, in, I'm on stage just Joe talking about how to deal with the police when they come and a lot of stuff i'm saying will save you but there seem to be exceptions it seems like some stuff it, even if it would save you if you got a rogue cop or you got a cop like those guys who are just fucking insane then doing even doing the right thing don't save you do you know a, do you have an iPhone uh, no, I have a I have a, a regular Android. And I'm sorry to hear that. Um, <laughs> well, in the iPhone, one of the things. Apple computer. <laughs> you have a computer. That's a good start, but you're not going to be driving around with that. But with an iPhone, if your iPhone is in your car, there's a thing called, I'm getting pulled over. Did you know about that? No. Never. Dre, did you know about that? Dre knows about it. Okay. If you put, if on the iPhone, you can install the thing that says, I'm getting pulled over. Anytime you say, hey, Siri, I'm getting pulled over, it will cut your radio off and start filming you. It will send information to three people that you select and tell them that you're getting stopped by the police and the location where you are, and it will send the tape into the iCloud. So even if it's one of them ignorant-ass cops that chased him and they take the phone out and break it thinking they're getting rid of evidence, it will already be in the cloud for them to pull down. That's on every iPhone. But we don't tell our kids that. Every teenager should know that. And it don't even have to be for the police. It could be for anything. It could be you just scared. You just lost. You say, I'm getting pulled over. You're going to get your location set down. You're going to be able to
2: connect your family and everything. I think everybody should be privy to that. I think everybody's phone in everybody's car, anywhere that a person can be, where they can be, where they have the potential to be harassed or killed or beat. Uh, you know they should be able to protect themselves at the very least. Let's maintain some evidence of what exactly occurred here. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah, if you, yeah, that would be really cool if you can do that. But the first
3: thing is, I just want you to save yourself. And before they had that, what I would do if the police pull me over is I dial nine one one. Because people keep saying, "Well, who gonna police the police?" I police the police. If before that, I would just dial 911 if the police had their lights on me and I say 911, some people behind me, they flashing their lights. I don't know, could be the police, could be my ex-wife, I don't know. But I am terrified. Will you please stay on the phone? And then I set the phone on the seat, the passenger seat. So now you're being monitored by 911, which means somebody is paying attention That's going on with you. For me, that's just a a desperate guerrilla tactic. But it's one of the things that work because if you tell a cop, hey, listen, uh, uh, I got 911 on here because I called. I was nervous. I didn't know what's going on. They told us to hold, and they wanted me to tell you. I believe that's going to calm a cop down because he knows somebody is watching him. You know, just like those cops went crazy because they didn't know about that camera on the pole, the blue light camera. They didn't know they were being filmed. That's why they acted out. When people are being watched, they tend to calm down a little bit. But that's just one of the devices. I want you to stick around. We're going to talk more. Joe's going to come up. We can't, you know what though? We can't do it this show. We got to do a next show. So let me let me, let me bring Judge uh, Joe Brown back on for a moment. Uh, and I want you to stick around because we got like five minutes before we wrap in this segment. We're going to end up doing this as a two-parter. I'm telling you that right now. There's no way that we could finish this in these few minutes. So let's bring uh, Judge Joe Brown back. And you haven't met him. Uh, Joe, Judge Joe Brown, me. Joe Jones. I don't think we're strange. <laughs> anyway, i seen it yeah, before well, somewhere Stone, definitely on good work
4: me. you've done and that's a great book i'm not excusing these officers but what i'm trying to infer mm-hmm. is some people are trying to cover mm-hmm. their ass because behinds because what you got was a rush to judgment and what the da let go by may have been a first degree murder not a second degree murder because the conduct you're talking about looks like somebody had an intention from the front end to get a specific somebody else. Now, there are all kinds of backstories in this that need to be sorted out. And you don't really need an indictment 14 days after an event. You need somebody to get an arrest warrant, to charge these people initially. You need preliminary hearing. You need all of this. You need further investigation. Because the citizenry may, may demand that something more serious be brought, and you can't go up and consider something that is not indicted. You can go lesser and include it. But the other point is that look, you just don't do this kind of thing from Jump Street. Where where'd you get this idea right. that you do this? I'll ask you, Officer Jones. Uh, of use force training, you do this in the academy, don't you? Would you believe the Memphis policy is to leave it to on the job training in the squad car right now? Use of force. That's just absolutely ridiculous. See, that gives them an out. Did you comply with your training? Well, it's what we how are you going to train somebody on use of force in a squad car on the job? See, there's no classes. There's nobody to teach it. The last person we had at the training academy is not there. So this is untaught to new police. Next thing, by the way, uh, that's a good point, running, all kinds of reasons. But in Tennessee, and that's where this occurred, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, there is evidence Mm -hmm. that has been adduced in this matter that the suspect, now the defendant, fled. You may consider the act of flight as inferring guilt, this may require an explanation. Of course, you should understand that if the defendant did not take the stand or offer evidence under the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution of the United States, he doesn't have to.
2: In Tennessee, it also— Wait a minute, Judge. Go ahead. His fleeing specifically looked like a man that was running for his life. He did everything he could do from a standpoint of trying to defuse it. He was compliant. He, did, he was, you know, at a certain point— he did exactly what these officers requested of him. And once he saw that that was not doing any good and he was still getting kicked and still getting punched and still getting all these things, he ran. And, and he got out of there. A he saw an opportunity and to run camera, and he, ran. And he ran. Some judges
3: would say that's an inference of guilt because we didn't have that blue light camera. But the blue light camera caught all this shit. And you can say whatever you want to say, but he No, gone. no, no. He I took don't all. disagree with any of that.
4: All I'm saying is is that when you say there is nothing that can be inferred from the running, actually under the law there is in certain states. I just wanted to clear that up.
3: Now, well, it's a terrible law.
4: But in Tennessee, you also have the right to resist an illegal arrest. And if you are subjected improperly to deadly force, you may use it to resist it. There are cases in Tennessee— where the cop got shot because he got way out of line and the person was found to have been justified in the use of deadly force. That must this.
3: have been another white person. No, it was a black him.
2: person actually who did it to a white cop in the case. Hold on police a second, Jesse. Police officers usually have a group that they can confer and corroborate their stories and say, hey, he did this and he did that. The suspect is usually on his own having to fend for himself. So the reality is, is that, you know what? It's a very tough haul when it comes down to it. And and it's sad to say, but a black man, if you try to fight, you're going to get your ass killed. If you comply, when I I see where you're complying and you're humbling yourself and you're dogsling down and doing whatever Mm -hmm. they tell you. And they still beat you and they still treat you like a dog that means this world is at a very evil place.
4: Well, let me put it this way. I don't disagree with that. But let's switch it back to something that happens. L.A., I grew up in Los Angeles, kindergarten through law school. And Los Angeles used to be notorious for this. The police get involved in hits all the time. That's why they brought in Chief Parker, so he could be immune from that, but it backfired on him the way it came up. But now back to this whole nine yards worth of things in my 50 years of doing this and all of what I've done and some other things too, it looks like a calculated hit, not to kill somebody, but to jack somebody up and teach them a lesson. And this guy that got done in was a specific target. It was no escalation from zero to 60. They wanted him specifically They went after him. That's why they did what they did, which makes it worse, which is why I got into the whole accountability thing. Some other people need to be accountable for why that was permitted in this department right now,
3: where you
4: have a situation in Memphis where the majority of the cops are black, 60% of the criminal court judges are black, 60% are female. You've got a black chief of police, a black sheriff, a new Democratic Party district attorney for the four first time in 60 some years. You've got the majority of the city council is black, 65 percent of the population is black. What the hell's going on here Where this kind of situation acts up? See, around the country, they're trying to play this as white supremacy and all of this other stuff. What I saw was typical foolishness that you see on the streets in Memphis all the time. But what happens is it got transferred to the police department. So rather than trying to come up with a evil police and see some of the people involved in this are in this movement to defund the police. And Memphis does
2: not need defunded police. A lot of times time I think we try and uh, we try to take things to the, the upper level, to the brass level, to the people mm-hmm. behind the scenes when the reality is is that you have cops who have their own mentality out there doing police work and they do things the way they do things sometimes they don't even feel connected to the brass and to the people within the office so the bottom line is 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 as we can see the way they approached this guy and pulled that guy out of the car that she was personal that had more to do with something that was personal than it was about actually doing police work. Because how do you get, you know, four or five cops? Because at the end of the day, if you're a part of a group like that, if one rides, all of them gonna ride. That's right. So when they, now they, they, all, they all need ride, to ride like that.
3: All of them are going to go. Yeah, with. They, all, they all need to ride to prison together. So listen, I, I got a guys. Hold on. I got to wrap it for right now. We're gonna go. We're gonna do a part two because this is too. This too good. We can't stop right here. But you know, I got my sponsors and stuff. You know, we got, I think we're selling cheesecakes. I think this cheesecake break. I'm not sure, but we're selling something very important that the people's got to have. So we got to go do that, and uh, we're gonna wrap up and come back with a part two. But once again, Joe Jones, just tell them who you are. Um, my
2: name is Joe Jones. I worked LAPD for about eight and a half, nine and a half years. Uh, I wrote the uh, book, The Tragic Life uh, of a Black LA Cop. I was the first officer uh, to write a second manifesto to Christopher Dorner's manifesto, uh, trying Mm. to stop him from killing people. I, I, I basically have been ostracized from the job because I stepped in and and made noise when it came down to people getting treated wrong and unjustly, as well as myself getting. Uh, well, that'll teach you. So, so hey, I'm just playing. I'm just I have playing. PTSD to <laughs> this very day. Don't play with that, bro. That's, <laughs> OK, so the reality is, is that I have, I have accepted that, you know, any time I can interject on this topic and any time I can be a voice for this situation, I will be. Uh, people can go to my website. It's truth life. Truth, the number four, and then change that life and see that I have a book for one that I wrote about my experiences. And as well, I try to help people who who I love it to deal with conflict when they are confronted with evil ass police officers. Come on, somebody. And and I want to
3: start out by saying all cops ain't bad. We just talk about them, the motherfuckers, the ones that's terrible. We know the ones are terrible. Them the ones we kind of root out. Judge, can you wrap up with who you are? Just give us a brief because we're gonna do a part two in a minute. Go ahead. I am Judge
4: Joe Brown. I had the TV show, but I also was a criminal court judge. Ran the public defender's office. First black prosecutor in the history of city of Memphis was a private defense attorney specializing. In homicide cases, tried 42 first-degree murder cases as a lawyer, death penalty demanded, and others where they didn't. Now, these people who are responsible need to be punished. We don't need undercharged individuals who get away with something they shouldn't be allowed to get away with. There are other things here where there are a whole lot of people that need to be hauled on the carpet for allowing the citizenry to <laughs> be That's going to be another shout. That's,
3: that's going to be another
4: And let me put it this way Lend perspective. I am the leading candidate for mayor in Memphis, Tennessee for an election we're having this year. So you may be talking to the guy, probably talking to the guy in whose lap all of this mess is going to land.
2: Ooh, to resolve, I like so that. you're talking about. <laughs>
4: I'm listening, and I'm taking this into consideration.
3: Well, we're going to yeah, come back. Right. We're going to come back. We're going to do part two. This is exciting stuff, y'all, because I got two more folks waiting in the wings. You gonna come back with part two. Don't worry about that. That's coming really, really in a minute. Well, not a minute, but in a couple of days. Well, j- Anyway, part two is on its way. Uh, today, I was here with Joe Jones. Uh, I'm here with Judge Joe Brown and waiting in the wings. You're going to hear them. Part two is going to be one of the coldest uh, rapper poets out here who's going to give a, a just a little piece of how we feel as young black men. And another great uh, cop who's been on force 25 years, he's going to speak up to When We Come Black. We'll be right black. We'll be back in a little bit. It's called Michael Talks to Everybody. Tell your mama and Pookie and Run Realm. Get around the, uh, the, the the radio for part two because it's going to be a booger. Wooger. All right. See y'all later. All right. Go ahead. Y'all play theme music. We're going to get out of here. I had a good time today. I hope y'all did too, man. Thank y'all for checking us out here at Michael Talks. To everybody. Hey, you can follow me, man. I'm easy to follow. I'm on Instagram, just under at Michael Kaya. I'm on TikTok. That's Michael kaya 135 I have a very sexy webpage called therealmichaelkaya.com. You know, you go over there, you can find out about my merchandise and what I'm doing and where all my shows are. Everything is right there. Or if you really love me, you can go to my cash app. That's dollar sign, Michael Kaya's money. I'm playing with y'all, but I I accept green stamp, food stamp, Canadian money. I'll take your bus transfer if you got some time left on it. And my morning show, oh, my goodness, the Michael Cotty morning show. That's 7 a.m. Pacific time, yo, five days a week. This has been a Raylock Group production. I'll see y'all later. (laughs) This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes director Wes ball breathes new life into the epic franchise as a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike kingdom of the planet of the apes enter the kingdom in imax now playing and theaters everywhere get tickets now
1: you deserve a moment to yourself every single day